Welcome to Season 2 of The Bean Pod, a podcast about decentralized finance and the Beanstalk Protocol. I'm your host, Rex. Before we get started, we'd like to again remind everyone that we here at the podcast are super bullish about Beanstalk Protocol and other DeFi projects. But as we've seen time and time again, this is still a risky space. So with that in mind, always do your own research before investing in a project, including anything covered here in the podcast, and never ever invest funds that you can't afford to lose. And with that, on with the show. By definition, decentralized finance aims to minimize involvement from organizations like governments, boards of directors, and other people or groups that can impose rules or restrictions on users. The theory is that centralized power can be manipulated, or as we've seen recently with FTX, be downright corrupt. So the best way to avoid being on the wrong end of censorship or unfair punishment is to avoid giving away the power to censor or punish in the first place. Now that being said, as so many people have learned in the crypto space, systems built without any threat of repercussion can be extremely unforgiving. When things go badly, there's nowhere to turn. And while the term trustlessness might sound positive in the sense that you don't need to trust anyone, it also carries with it the opposing idea that you can't trust anyone. If there's an opportunity to take advantage of a technical mistake or a governance loophole, it's only a matter of time before someone utilizes it. So how do we protect ourselves and fight back? Is the future of crypto a constant cycle of managing risk in the rearview mirror? Is there a way for the good guys to stay one step ahead of the bad guys rather than vice versa? One increasingly popular approach is focused on incentive realignment. These systems and processes work to make things like pointing out vulnerabilities beneficial to those who find the problem and choose not to leverage it. Telling a project's development team about a code or governance issue that avoids millions of dollars in losses no doubt feels good. Incentive realignment hopes to put some money in your pocket to go along with all the warm fuzzies you get to experience. One of the groups actively engaging in incentive realignment is Hats Finance. The Beanstalk DAO recently started working with Hats on a custom smart contract to potentially recover some of the funds stolen during Beanstalk's governance exploit in April of 2022. We at the podcast thought it would be good to get to know them better as well, and Ali, head of community at Hats, was kind enough to sit down with us the other day. Well, Ali, thank you for joining us for the podcast. Great to have you. Oh, thank you for the invite. We're super excited to be here. So to kick us off, how about you just tell us about what HATS is, what they do, how they help improve security around Web3 and things like that? Yeah, so HATS is a very innovative uh, protocol because it's all about decentralized security. So basically, the main overall picture is that we are a decentralized bug bounty platform. So what does that mean? It means very different things. I think there's different advantages, but... The first one is a decentralized aspect in the sense that uh, vulnerability disclosures and communication between hackers and project committees can happen in a fully decentralized manner. Messages are encrypted and, you know, people can communicate with each other in a decentralized manner. The other thing is that we add a community aspect to it. So in the sense that, you know, in a regular bug bounty program, 
you have a, a web two company putting in an amount of money and whoever finds it and they find it. But a lot of times, the moment hackers disclose the vulnerability, they already lost the negotiating ground. Then they can no longer, you know, ask for a, a, a bounty because what can developers do in the, in the company? They fix it and they say, sorry, you know, you didn't do anything, you know? So there's a lot of issues. And I think that's, that's one of the reasons why a lot of hackers decide to go black, uh, black hat, and they do a lot of these things. You know, just, we saw what happened with Mango and, you know, the, the hacker paid himself because at the end of the day, I truly believe that any black hat can become a white hat with the right incentives in place, you know, and we've talked about this all the time, you know, clean money is worth so much more than dark money. And it's all about giving the right incentives, but it's just not fully there. But I think another concern that we have from the hacker community is not just that they're not taken seriously or the low payouts, that's one thing, but it's also, I think in crypto specifically, this is very important, anonymity, making sure that uh, people can still stay uh, fully anonymous, which is a problem. Like, for example, if you go into either, even some Web3 um, bug bounties out there, you still have to do KYC, especially for big amounts of money. And for some hackers, they don't want to do that. And I'll give you another example. Let's say you are from Ukraine or you are from Russia and you're super talented. If the company is based on the U.S., they cannot legally get the bounty. So this is just taking out a huge amount of talent, which there's incredible talent in Europe and certain countries where they have a lot of these rules and they cannot get the bounty. So there's like a lot of different things. And I think that's why uh, that defers uh, certain individuals from doing the right thing. But with hats, as long as you have the skill set, it doesn't matter where you come from. As long as you have the skill set, you can get the bounty. And people can stay fully anonymous because messages are encrypted. We don't require any type of KYC. And the other part of it, of HATS, is that we allow community involvement. So what does that mean? That means that community members like you and I, we believe in a project, we want it to succeed, and obviously security is important. We can come in and put in some of our tokens to be used as part of the bug bounty. And then that same uh, idea is that you can actually get HATS token once our TGE starts. We just announced our airdrop machine a couple months back, and we have plans to launch that very soon. But um, I encourage everybody to take a look on how that works. But basically, the main idea is that you as a, as a contributor, as a part of the community, you can say, you know what, I'm going to put in my tokens to make sure this project stays protected. You get some hats token in return. But the bigger idea, you know, this is going to get used for payout if the hacker finds a vulnerability. For the, but the main idea is that either way, you win in the sense of like if a project gets hacked, you lose either your tokens get lost or the value diminishes. So you lose either way. So a project staying protected is always a win for the community. And now we can allow community members to say, you know what, I'm going to put in my part to make sure this project stays on for a really long time, especially for a lot of these like smaller cap projects that maybe can't put, you know, millions of dollars in the bounty and, you know, community members can still participate. Yeah, so I, it's I was thinking about the hats token earlier, and and seemed like that was kind of where this process was leading was that it was a way for me as 
someone that is participating in Beanstalk to be able to help fund and incentivize the groups that are doing that bug bounty work. Um, and it, it does seem very unique in the sense that I might not necessarily be interested in, in putting in hats tokens for projects that I'm not involved in. But if, to your point, if I'm participating in Beanstalk and it's involved with hats and there are people that are actively looking, like you said, I can, I can help to kind of hedge my own bet from a security standpoint by saying, Hey, not only, you know, am I going to participate in the DAO, the Beanstalk DAO that, you know, may be interfacing with hats to, you know, to help provide continuous bug bounty services or specific audit or whatever, but I'm actually going to help fund these white hats that are actively looking at this project and hopefully, you know, kind of hedge my bet in the sense of hopefully avoid some type of larger attack by incentivizing those individuals personally, right? Yeah, that's exactly that. And the other thing I, I want to mention is we also have what we call a security council. Again, it's a larger article that everybody can read in our medium. But the whole idea behind it is that once you provide liquidity, not only do you get hat tokens, but you also get access to a committee. We call them a security council. So every project that we have on hats has a different council. Now we have a committee, a committee, right, that is like kind of like the team that gets a, the bon as soon as a vulnerability is exposed, they're the first ones that get the message from the hacker. But any other news regarding the security of the project, as long as it's not like um, a very like something that can affect the future of the project, it's not urgent or really bad, community members will get notified as well. If you are part of that of that security council, you will actually get notified and you also have access of making proposals regarding the Hatsbuck bounty. So you get governance access of that project that you are in. So there's other incentives outside of obviously like the token, but you have other things that you can do within the HATS committee to ensure that the project you are in uh, is making the best decisions when it comes to security. This is really interesting. So what was the genesis for HATS? I mean, was it a a black hat that said, I, I want to do something different. Was it a group of, you know, talented, you know, technical minds that said, let's change the incentives. Was it, how, how did that, how did that Genesis happen? Yeah. So our founder or like founding team has over 10 years of experience working in tech and crypto and like building web three applications. A lot of them are developers and how it started is that, during DeFi summer, so many projects were getting hacked, like so many. And even to this day, you know, that still happens. But uh, with our team having a security background, uh, some of our team are based in Israel, Europe. We have some people in Latin America. But there was this question of like, how can we turn people to do the right thing? How can we change incentives? Because that's the main idea of like, it's not about like, People are going to do what is to their best interest. That's what crypto is about, right? But how can we change incentives in a way that people want to do the right thing? And at the time, there wasn't like a strong um, project that was doing security in a decentralized manner. Because a lot of our team members 
they wanted to stay anonymous. I mean, even a lot of people that work in Web3 that are active developers, they don't want to be out there, you know, you know, sharing their identity. And there was this big question of how can we we allow people to stay anonymous, but do great things and do the right thing. So that's how we came about uh, changing incentives in the security space, specifically in the security space, because at the time there wasn't a lot of security solutions. Even now, you know, like audits are becoming the norm, but 2017, 2018, nobody cared about an audit. I mean, that wasn't a thing. Now it's the security standard to do an audit, but even bug bounties, I, I personally, I don't think bug bounties to this day are the sec a security standard. It's just kind of like a plus. You know, it's nice to have. And I think really successful projects have bug bounties. But I'm, I really want, uh, the way I envision is that bug bounties become the standard, not just audits. So do you see a, do you see a, a marked difference between continuous audit and bug bounties I, you know i feel like we're kind of in a in, in a part of the security space that i'm still learning about so you know i, I when i think of continuous audit i think of you know i'm going to use beanstalk as an example it's under essentially um you know continuous audit with halborn bug bounties are are handled through a different um organization like is what is the difference between those two things and when you say you want bug bounties to become a standard, how does what specific advantage does that offer? There's so many advantages I can think of of bug bounties. Um, I think the first one that I think is a no-brainer is the money aspect to it. Uh, if you know anything about audits, they are really expensive. It really depends who you get them from, of course, but um, even just the average um, audit is a couple thousand dollars at least at least right uh, i've seen hundreds of thousands depending on how much but with the bug bounty you don't pay anything until they find something right that's kind of like the the thing of like okay i do think it's really smart to make sure you have that money set into again like in a vault with us to ensure that you don't spend that money before that happens because you know it'd be crazy that they find something and you don't have the funds to pay but um having that you don't have to pay unless something is found the other main thing that i always emphasize with with audits is that they're they have different mechanisms right like with audits it's kind of like a one thing and done a lot of times they don't like you don't check again unless you do different audits but the thing with web3 is that you're always changing the code you know you're always adding upgrades you're going from b2 to b2 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 to b3 you know, you're adding like a new application or the code is changing or they found a bug and they're fixing it. And there's always going to be something that you add that could introduce a vulnerability. And that's where bug bounties can come in. The other thing with audits, and there's incredible audit firms out there that do incredible work. But I think with what happens with audit companies is that you have this one set of eyes, right? And we're human. At the end of the day, we're human. Maybe we're predisposed to finding one vulnerability more than the other. Maybe we don't know one other thing. And if you're always passing it through the same eyes, you know, it's kind of like, are they really going to find something? And I'm not saying they're not, you know, again, there's incredible audits, but it's just kind of this idea of like, how can we get it to the most eyes 
possible. This is one I'm personally a big fan of, like Code Arena, for example, and their audit competitions because they invite everybody. And they're also not that expensive compared to other audits, but they invite everybody to come in. And, you know, you've seen, or at least I have seen, developers that have no coding experience and finding multi-million dollar bug bounties. I mean, it's not common, but it happens. So you see people that come from the web to space and then find something. So I think that's where there needs to be an opportunity where everybody has access because people can look at code differently and things like that. So I think this is where a bug bounty can be really great because it's not just a one set and done. It's always going to consistently it's going to be there and you can increase it you can decrease it you can change the contracts of scope so for example with us we're working on on something this is some alpha right we're working on an application that's going to allow uh, a notification application so you can subscribe to notifications so if a contract changes and a bug bounty you can get notified as a as a security expert so you can go and check the code because Unless you're checking the code base every single day, nothing really is going to change unless we tell you, hey, we just changed the contract. Go check it out. So we're working on something where, you know, people can get notified. But that's the thing that I've noticed is that we need consistent, uh, how do you call it, like being able to check for the, the, yeah. s- the smart contracts. Some type of notification or update or understanding yes. of what's what's changing and, and what's going on. Yeah, I think that makes a lot of sense. And it is a very interesting interesting thought. I, I was, it's funny, I was thinking about Code Arena when I was doing some prep reading for, for, for our discussion. And so if, you know, if I understand hats well, it seems like it's, kind of a similar concept, but in a longer, longer space, you know, it's not just, Hey, we've got this short competition that's happening and we're going to invite people to come for this period, this 48 hour period or this one week period or whatever. And, and really pile onto this specific code. It's, Hey, we've got this existing relationship with this protocol or this, you know, this particular project, we've got our, our individuals that are involved in, you know, their, their decentralized fashion that have the ability to come and, and, and look and see and see if they can find something that's worth, you know, turning in for a bug bounty. So it's, it's that longer term set of, like you said, kind of rolling fresh eyes, correct? Exactly. That's exactly what we're doing. But we also, there's different partnerships that we can do. Like our main focus is the longer term bug bounties that exist there hopefully forever, if the project succeeds. Um, but we also have this shorter term bug bounties where we can say, you know, for a period of three months, we're doing a testnet. We're doing this application on testnet. If anybody finds anything, we'll give you this type thing. So we have done those in the past as well. Uh, but most of the stuff that we do is longer term bug bounties. So to pivot just a little bit, um, the the introduction that I got to hats was through one of our community members, Sync, who is working with hats on uh, let's uh, on an ethical return project. So, for those of you who are listening who aren't aware, I think most of our listeners are. So, <clears throat> Beanstalk suffered a governance exploit um, earlier this year in April, and um, it. Obviously, an incredible amount of liquidity was stolen um, through a through a governance exploit. So, not necessarily through, you know, specific 
issue in the code, but by leveraging the governance rules for how Beanstalk operated, um, an individual was able to, to take advantage. Um, so that liquidity, we actually, we, we know where it's sitting. We, we have seen the wallet address. We've had you know, plenty of individuals that have verified that, you know, the, the liquidity that was stolen is sitting in a specific place. We know that it is kind of, it's, it's sitting still. Um, and, you know, the term I'm going to use is, is stuck. Um, whoever, whoever took that liquidity for whatever reason has not done anything with it since the exploit. Um, we speculate that they're feeling like they're kind of, they're kind of stuck because they're, there are a lot of eyes obviously on that, on that particular wallet and a lot of individuals that are interested in figuring out who they are to potentially try to get a return. So we've got this liquidity that is not with Beanstalk anymore. It is in a place where we can see it, but we don't know who has it. We would love to recover as much of that as possible. So to, to bring the story background to us, Sync, through his relationship with Hats, says, hey, could we figure something out? Hats, um, through discussions, essentially says, okay, we might be able to figure out a way to help manage a fund return. And um, Ali, are, are you familiar? I, I'm, I'm guessing you're pretty familiar with that process and what's been happening up till now, right? Yes, so I am familiar with uh, the contract that's going to be used. Um, if we wanted more of a technical overview on the contract, I know we are going to be doing an AMA soon with Sync. So for everybody listening, stay uh, up. We'll we'll keep you updated on that. But yeah, so we have actually done this before with Temple, uh, Temple DAO also suffer an exploit not so long ago. And we deployed a, a contract, which was hack first, bounty later. Um, that's the name of it. And it actually was inspired by somebody's joke on Twitter saying, you know what? I think it was like DeFi Dejan. He posted a tweet saying like, you know, he used some bad words that I'm not going to say, but say like, if projects are not paying the bounty, hack first and negotiate later, right? Which there's this whole ethical dilemma. And, and again, I don't really know the, the right question again, right? But the right answer on this, but is this idea of like, if, if I try to come in and tell you the vulnerability, then I have no negotiating ground. But if I hack first and then I say, hey, I'll give it back if you do this, then it's more likely you'll get it. So then some people say this is blackmailing. Some people are saying code is law, you know. All these things. What we're here to do is to be a mediator, to provide a contract that people can use. So basically within this contract, uh, if you are the wallet address, uh, the exploiter wallet address, you can use it to um, kind of like create the bounty. So you can say, you know what, I'll return the funds. And part of the smart contract is created to say, you know, if you return the funds, you'll get 20%. Right. And it can be negotiated. I think the initial contract was that the hacker could choose how much of the, uh, the bug bounty he will get initially. That was the first contract that was created. I'm not really sure what the percentage is going to be set for Beanstalk. I don't I don't think 
the the exploiter will be able to choose how much he gets because then he can get 100% and like, okay, I'm out legally, right? Uh, but maybe it will be set in a way that it's 20%. You give us the money, you automatically get 20%. So, or 30% or that will be negotiated, but that's how the contract basically works. Is this idea of like, if you have the funds, you'll be able to um, legally get your funds if you do the right thing. Yeah, so you you use the term that I I've kind of latched on to as well as that like idea of a mediator, where you know if 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 we were to try to manage something like this without a third party, it could be very difficult to get that exploiter to essentially to to trust the you know the the solution that we would have in place, and so. You know, obviously, we're working in a pretty delicate situation as it is, where we've got funds that we want to recover with somebody that, you know, that that I would say that I'm going to just going to say the Dow is probably not particularly happy with, you know, and so that that exploiter probably is somewhat uh, reluctant and and rationally so to just come to us and say you know, Hey, I'll, I'll give you a certain amount back or, or I'll, you know, if you, if you let me keep whatever as, as, you know, white hat bounty, I'll give you the rest back. But to have that third party in between seems like it's a pretty good option to create a, a more trustless approach, right? Yeah. And also in a way where they can still keep some type of anonymity. And then I'm, I'm wondering, again, I don't really know the details on the hack, but it could also be that they are not going to be able to bridge it to tornado cash. A lot of times it's going to be really hard because of the current uh, legal situation with tornado cash. So even if they try to cash it out, they might not be able to. So they're kind of like, what should I do? What should I do? You know, and if they haven't cashed out, you know, so long ago, then I think there is a high chance that they will take the deal. So it's just a matter of, of time and seeing how that goes. Yeah. And I would say that a lot of the, the Dow probably feels pretty, pretty similarly, you know, if, if the, if the exploiter had a, a, a good off ramp, it probably would have been used right now or used by now. I'm sorry. Um, but seeing that it hasn't, there, there seems to be an opportunity to potentially come to some type of an agreement that lets everybody walk away and, you know, Beanstalk kind of licks their wounds, but, but gets, you know, a significant amount of that liquidity back. And, you know, the, the, the exploiter gets to, gets to go about their business and, and is, is able to move on. So I think we're pretty, we're pretty excited about the possibility. Yeah, I'm I'm excited. Hopefully we can get the funds back and um, that can help a lot of community members that got deeply hurt by this. Yeah. So what are what are some of the examples of of wins that hats has had? Like what are some examples of things that folks that are working with hats have found or identified or been able to to help um, other people? protocols or projects avoid, you know, what, what are some of the bounties that have been called in that, you know, that, that you feel comfortable sharing and talking about just for the sake of example? Yeah, I do know there was a bug bounty paid before. I don't remember which project it was. I do know it was low severity, 
Uh, so it was paid. I think it was like a couple hundred dollars, a couple thousand dollars, sorry. I will have to double check which project it was, but I do know the project was able to fix that issue. We also have done, we also have gotten tons of submissions that were not selected, that were like out of scope. And we're working really hard on how can we make, um, making clear what the scope is. Uh, we have also done tons of competitions. Right now, what we're working on is like bringing in developers and security experts into our platform. We have done tons of like capture the flag events with hundreds of participants. Our last event uh, at capture the flag, we had over 100 submissions. And that was just hackers wanting to learn and wanting to find vulnerabilities within code. And we have done that really, really well. Uh, we also have done other partnerships with other projects where, uh, like, shorter term, which have been really successful. I think from, like, the bug bounty side, we have only found that was actually, like, paid was one. Uh, but I think that's that's a good thing from the projects that we're working on. Uh, hopefully, I always say this, hopefully projects never have to hear from us. But, um, yeah, I think a lot of what we've done is bringing in security experts and developers into one place and also continuously bring in new projects for people to check out their code. Yeah, well, and the the hope is that as the code base continues to develop, that a lot of the vulnerabilities eventually work their way out and, you know, theoretically are no longer something that's this is much of a concern and that groups like hats or other security groups are trying to really trying to keep pace with the, the cutting edge of what's going on and trying to find new vulnerabilities and stay, you know, at least in step, maybe not a step ahead, but not a step behind either when it comes to dealing with new threats, new exploiters or hackers, new, new individuals that, you know, that are looking for ways to, they're looking for ways to, you know, exploit or profit, um, from vulnerabilities within code. And, and it seems like bringing those individuals into the team gives you that ability to try to stay in step and, and build that, that continuous knowledge base that makes sense. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, I think one of the biggest things that every security project, I, I think every project or specifically security projects is having a strong network of developers that understand how the project works, you know, and, and I deeply believe uh, a lot of these hackers, these hackers that have exploited they could be community members because they you have to really understand how the project works to be able to do it. And sometimes I think even if you're a talented Solidity expert, you know, you have to really understand each specific project to do a lot of this exploit. So it's just very interesting. I think every project should have. Uh, we're seeing like this new trend with a lot of projects having their developer advocates where they do different things, teaching or uh, doing a lot of the code, but they're still kind of like community members. I've seen that. So that could be really good. So I want to pivot back to the hats token for just a second. It sounds like that is a way that, that like we were saying that I, you know, just as kind of a random 
community member for with Beanstalk, for instance, could say, "Hey, I want to want to help throw some some liquidity in to help potentially um, incentivize somebody." Do you see that as um, you see that as a way to bring in new projects uh, that might not have necessarily been part of Hatscope before, or is this more of you know building liquidity and incentives around existing projects? Um, how how are you using that to potentially expand your your customer base? I think it's a little bit of both. Uh, we are able to bring in projects with this idea of like security should be and crypto should be secure, like community owned, right? Everybody should have at least the opportunity to participate. Even today, the average community member does not know anything of the code or the security of every project. They only find out when they get hacked, pretty much. So with us, there's an opportunity for a community member to come in. And that adds a lot of value for projects because they say, okay, now if a community member is invested in the bug bounty of the project, that means they're loyal community members because, you know, it means that you're using your own funds to come in and protect the project. That just takes a different level of commitment. And I think we're also exploring as part of our B3 uh, B2 initiatives, and again, like this is still something that we're working on, is how can we create incentives, not just from the hat side, but how can we create incentives from the project itself, right? In the sense that if you provide liquidity to Beanstalk, Bug Bounty, you get the hat tokens and the incentives that come with it, like part of the Bean Security Council, et cetera, but you also can get some type of incentives from the Beanstalk side. So we're also exploring that because I do think there's a there's a lot of value in having loyal community members that truly care about the project and want to invest in the security of it. So that is like that is a winning point where projects say, okay, this is an opportunity to see who's really about us, you know, who's really about the project and not just talk. Yeah, you you've raised an interesting point. And it's something that that I remember thinking when Beanstalk went through its exploit earlier in the year is it's just that feeling of powerlessness. Uh, you know, I am I'm not a technical contributor. I'm not I am I am light years away from being a dev. My technical understanding is minimal. I I have a lot of faith in the concepts of the project and actually a lot of confidence around how the general concepts work. But when it comes to like the technical components of any kind of audit. I'm, I'm just not that person, but I have thought many times, like there's gotta be something I can do where something like the hats token is something that I can do as a non-technical individual to say, Hey, I believe in the security of the project. I think it's important that we have people that are, that are continuously looking at our code and making sure that we're safe. I'm willing to put, to put my money behind that. And I, I do think that there's a really, there's a, especially as we, as like a broader Web3 community, try to look outward and, you know, obviously we're in the kind of the wake of things like the FTX collapse and some of the other issues that have happened over the last, let's say three to four months. I think in general, Web3, crypto, et cetera, are saying, well, 
how are we going to attract casual users or let's say retail users again after all of these things have happened? How are we going to rebuild general trust in what we're trying to get done? And I think it's important for individuals that are, you know, let's say like me, I'm going to say like folks that are like me that say, hey, this is a really interesting project. I believe in the fundamentals. I am useless when it comes to any type of technical or security assistance, but I want to have skin in the game in terms of making sure that this project is safe. Here's how you can do it. Like that's a really, for me, that's a very attractive option. Yeah, definitely. As somebody that's also not very technical, I think HATS has given me so much exposure to what the potential is and like what communities can do. Even, you know, I, I would like to highlight everything that's happening with this uh, initiative was all community driven, you know, all of it. You know, it, it, I know that the team, from what I understand, the team wanted to remain neutral. But all of the efforts have been because of the community. And if the community can accomplish such a large initiative to happen, I mean, to, in order to go into quorum, you needed a certain amount of, of votes. And, you know, at some point, I'm like, I don't know if it's actually going to happen. But the fact that communities, and this is just an example of Beanstalk. I mean, we've seen what happened with Constitution DAO, with other crypto projects, where so many people come together. What cannot happen when people come in from a security standpoint, I believe, you know, we can get anything done. So it's very, very powerful what can happen when everybody unites into one same goal. Yeah, I agree with that completely. I think there is a, that's a very, that, that message resonates well with folks that, that look at some of these projects and say, man, I, I, I don't have anything to contribute technically, but I, I want to do something useful. I want to be a help. So as HATS looks to the future, what are the things that your group is focusing on? Is it getting in touch with new projects? Is it finding new contributors? Is it, you know, leveraging the HATS token for, for new opportunities there? Like, what does the future look like for HATS? Yeah, so our current focus is to bring in more projects. Right, to bring in as many projects as we can to the platform. And we have many projects on the pipeline uh, to be very soon on HATS. So that's one of the main prior priorities. Uh, our second priority is to create a larger network of security experts and hackers. Uh, right now, we're, we're tapping into Latin America, into Europe. We've been able to go into do different AMAs and workshops for hacker communities we just did one for Latin America. We did one for India and just telling them about what we're up to and saying, hey, we have these bounties going on. If you find anything, let us know. So we've been doing a lot of that, a lot of outreach. Our goal is to reach to as many people as possible in the world. Um, we also are, again, we are exploring what's going to happen with uh, Hats B2. Really soon we're going to make that announcement. And then our token should be released. We just... Don't have a date just yet, but hopefully very soon. And then we'll go into the incentives as well. So those are some of our main focus. Uh, yeah, I know Hats B2 will be happening pretty soon. So I'm very excited for that. 
Yeah, it's exciting stuff. It's exciting to see the organization kind of taking that next step and seeing how they can continue to to create new incentives, both for people that are that are on the technical side as well as folks that want to contribute that might not be, you know, might not have that same technical background. So the I guess the before I let you go, I, I want to just kind of turn it over to you and see if there's anything else you want to talk about, anything else you want to cover, anything we missed. What what uh what else can can we chat about? You know, um, honestly, I just wanted to say thank you, but I'm deeply inspired by the resilience of the Beanstalk community after everything happened. Uh, I know it's been tough, and it's impressive to know that community, despite everything that happened, community members are still holding on and still trying to look for a solution. I think that says a lot about a project, about a community, about the type of people that you are. So for everybody listening, I want to salute you for what, being strong. <laughs> I mean, it's already hard enough to be in a, in a bear market, um, you know, but with every, all the hacks going on, my heart goes to people affected and always looking forward to find a solution for that. But if there's any questions regarding what we're working on or DMs are always open on hats, or Discord as well. Um, I don't think there's any questions. And I think that the last announcement I'll make is that we are working on an AMA with Sync as well uh, to do more of the contract overview. So if you are listening and maybe you understand code a little bit more or you want more insights on what the contract actually looks like and what it's about, join us on that AMA. We'll make the announcement soon. And yeah, we'd love to have you there as well. Awesome. Well, thank you again for joining us. This has been great. Great conversation. Great to learn about what HATS is doing. Definitely appreciate your time. Awesome. Thank you so much. You can find HATS Finance on Twitter and on the web at hats.finance. The BeanPod is a production of Beanstalk Farms, a decentralized autonomous organization. You can find us on Twitter, Instagram, Medium, Discord, and our home on the web at bean.money. You can also find me on Twitter at RexTheBean. And as a final reminder, this podcast is not financial advice. Thanks again for listening.